Okay, we're live. Playlist shuffle. Here we go. Oh! You're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Rawface and DJ Easy Hit it! Yeah! That's the way to start off the podcast. The hip hop podcast, too? Yeah, uh, this is episode 24, I believe, of the Grid Podcast. Um, thank you for coming back, listening to the Grid Podcast. And uh, this week, I'm going to have on a different guest. We're not going to have Leah this episode. She will be back next week. This week, we're going to have a good friend of mine, John. You may also know him as Sasquatch uh, and the group The Ugly People. They just put an album. I'm sure he'll talk about that. Um, But yeah, the Grip Podcast, we are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, Uh, I believe that's it, maybe some other places. Uh, Wherever you listen to your podcast, just search the Grip Podcast. If it's not there, shoot me a DM and I'll see what I can do. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at the Grip Podcast, on Facebook at the Grip Podcast, and Twitter at Matthew Sky Oz. Uh, I don't have a Twitter yet for the podcast. I'm just using my own uh, Twitter handle. Um, you, I want you to subscribe to the podcast. If you're enjoying it, please share it on your page with your friends, social media. We're trying to grow the podcast and uh, get it to a point where we can do live podcasts in your city and uh, come out and visit you and talk to you. And that's something I'm going to be really fighting for. And I need your help. I cannot do that without you. Please share the podcast. Especially if you believe in what we're talking about. So we can spread this this message of honesty and unity. Uh, you can get your Be Humane wristbands at skyent.live. Skyent.live. Uh, they're $5. $1 shipping. 6 bucks total. Unless you know me, just hit me up in person. And I'll get you one for $5 if you want to pay for the dollar shipping. Uh, that should be it. This episode, we're going to talk to, like I said, my friend John, a.k.a. Sasquatch. We're going to talk about uh, what hip-hop is. Not in a musical sense, but what is hip-hop culture. And uh, we're going to dive deep into that. Um, let me go ahead and hit up John. And let this ride just for a second. It takes two to make it out of sight It takes two to make a thing go right It takes two to make it out of sight I stand alone, don't need anyone Cause I'm raw, just came to have fun Don't need friends that act like foes Cause I'm raw, face the one who knows about things That makes you get weary Don't tear me, just hear me out Cause I got the clout Oh, cause Robin's in the front, easy rockers on the back up. We're not so 
up, so you better just slack up. Cause I'm cool, calm just like the breeze. Rock the mic with the help of easy rock. On the set, the music play. Only just the rest is that I say. There you go. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna call John. Give me one second to get my shit together. And we can get this show on the road. Um, like I said, Leah will be back next week. Leah is a um, regular host on this podcast. Um, I got to give her a break every now and then. Let her breathe. All right, let's call your boy. See if you can hear me. Hello, John. What's up? What's good, man? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Can you hear me all right? I can hear you just fine. Am I coming through clear? Yeah, yeah. I got you uh, right into my uh, Pro Tools. Oh, fantastic! So, uh, it's great audio. Yo, that's what's good. Okay, so like I said, man, we're live on the podcast. Um, I'm giving my um, other host Leah a break this uh, this week because I want to talk to you, man. Yo, that's what's good. Hello to the world, you know? Yeah, man. I've been trying to get you on this podcast for like three years. No, I'm kidding. Oh, stop playing. Stop playing. Nah, don't even play me out like that. You be ducking me, man. Oh, never that. Never that. I'm ready to work always. You know that. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, I am I am real happy to have you on here, man. Um, I was saying, I've, I've kind of been talking for a little bit. Uh, just oh, to, yeah, that's what's up. Just to introduce the podcast. And I was like, um, this episode... I think um, I, I think the title or, or the the subject is going to be uh, what what is hip hop culture, and okay. you know me and you talked about it briefly, and um, I was kind of wanting to talk about what is the culture more so than the music, and I know the music is, I know the music is in the culture obviously sure, um, but I'm just I kind of want to talk about what's behind all of that, and I think you had some opinions about that. Um, and I guess we should do this is kind of let the people know who you are. Um, okay. I told them a little bit about you, what I know. And, okay. um, you know, I'd say you're an artist that, that I've worked with in the past. Um, but you tell them whatever you want to tell them about yourself. You can plug whatever you want to plug. And oh yeah. You know, I'm fit to plug. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's see, uh, John Hammond. Um, I've been, well, I'm 42 now. I've been rhyming since I was in sixth grade. Um, you know, I never lost a battle. If I did, it was fixed. Um, <laughs> I, I work with sky sound, you know, I work with, with some, um, some heavy hitters. Like, uh, I've, I've touched stage with, uh, sleepy Brown and, and dead Prez. Um, I have worked with, um, Grammy winners like knots on production and Mecca from, uh, diggable planets. Um, my, my career in terms of hip hop, Really is uh, owed to my man, Derek320, uh, one of my oldest friends. We've been friends since the ninth grade um, when he used to clown me because this ugly girl liked me in the, our history class. So <laughs> 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 so we've been friends since then, you know. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so like, we actually just released a, um, our first, like, commercial release, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, cause it's a dream come true. Like it, it's, you know, virtual stores is, is where it's available, but that's the store of 2019. So, uh, my art is in 
the store for public consumption. That's pretty cool. So we are the ugly people. Uh, U-G-L-Y-P-E-O-P-L-E. Understand God loves you people. You got to love yourself people. Um, the project is called DMS. It's a short little P. Um, it stands for Driving Mr. Superman, which I know is ridiculous, but that's what it is. You want to so, say you want to say what that is because you told me and so driving Superman goes way back um, to one night I think we was in Richmond we had been out and 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 you know hit the town and did whatever and then um, we slid back to the spot we were watching um, like we were just flipping through TV eating our drunk chips because you got to have chips after you have your drinks you got to have <laughs> chips after that right yeah. so we had our drunk chips and we was uh, flipping through TV and we just lost it because we was watching this wild movie and. Um, Morgan Freeman was driving uh, Christopher Reeves all around. Like I, we to this day, I couldn't tell you what the movie was about, but Morgan Freeman was driving Christopher Reeves around town on some driving Miss Daisy shit, <laughs> and we was like, "Yo, this is driving Mister Superman. What's going on?" And and we just kind of lost this. It stuck around since then. Okay, I'm actually like going through IMDb right now, like scrolling yeah. scrolling through Morgan Freeman's uh, work, and I'm looking for it. I can't find um, it. Uh, you know what? I, I, if if I wasn't on my phone, I could find it. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's um it's actually was it I is think, it it's like in the eighties? Yes, it's it's going to be a late eighties, early nineties movie. Yeah. Okay. Um, or or mid nineties maybe. Um, but yeah, it's Christopher Reeves and, and Morgan Freeman. Like, what what kind of combination is that? Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> so yeah All but right. yeah that joint is out um we got uh push the t's dj is on there um shout out to dj rick g's um you know we 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 try to do some things yeah man you definitely are man and like i said i want to make sure i support you even if i'm not like directly producing for before you know what i mean like i i get real sick and tired and this has just been my experience i don't want to speak for anybody else but i just get real i get real upset with um with black people talking about supporting each other and it just, it sounds good when you say it you know <laughs> but do you actually do that and i think well, some you of know, us are good at it but not all of us no and i would say the thing about that though is that's the human condition yeah. that's not that's not something that just happens with black people right you gotta you gotta think you know people talk about they want change um they're upset with the political system right but then they won't vote um, people talk about how we, you know, need to take care of the homeless and everyone in America has all these wonderful Christian values, but you don't want to make sure that everybody has health care. You don't want to make sure that, um, you know, the bums on the street have a meal. God forbid you give them a penny. Um, we talk a lot about wonderful values and ideas and ideals, mm -hmm. but most people don't walk those. So when, 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 we do this this ugly people thing. We talk about a lot of personal stuff on this record. You know, um, it's it's a very honest, open, um, vulnerable album. You don't see that in hip hop a lot, right? We right. we talk some real shit on there, right? But we we talk about things like revolution and 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 you know, understand God loves you. We understand you got to love yourself, people. Like we. But then we try to go do something about that. So um, I try to raise money to, to help the homeless. I try to um, I did that through the job. Right. right. Um, I, I, I try to go out and every chance I get, um, go speak to kids and be there and, and be an example of what's really possible. So I, I'm, I'm really trying to 
in that regard, walk what I talk. Right. Um, I hate to quote the Migos, but it, it is what it is. <laughs> well, you know, but but I think that as as people, like just as people, we have difficulty with that. So I just encourage everybody to um, pay attention to the words that are coming out your mouth and make sure that your feet follow those words. Yeah. That's funny you said that because I was just talking about what you just said. Um, I did a little piece before this came on where I was kind of talking about what happened in uh, New Zealand. Oh. And and everybody's upset, obviously, right? Yeah. And, like, they want me to to cry about it. I'm like, yo, I don't want to cry about it. I want to fix it. Like. I want to do something about it. I understand the emotion, right? That's normal. Yeah. But. Let, I, know, I know it's not the United States, but that happens in the United States all the time. Oh, it happens all the time. It happens here more than anywhere else. Right. Um, when when you talk about these the mass shootings and the lone gunmen and all of those things, but but the sad fact is, um, as a country, the truth is we don't care, or at the very least, we don't care about the dead people as much as we care about our ability to have a gun. Until dead people and dead children matter more than your individual right to own a firearm, nothing is going to change. And that's crazy, right? It, to me, it's insane. It's insane. Like I like I don't I can't even connect the dots on that in my head. I'm like, how's that? How's that even an issue? Like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Look, when um, when little kids' hands and arms were getting caught in automatic windows we immediately changed the rules to make sure that there were regulators in there so that they only go up at a certain speed. So that stops. Um, people die in car accidents. We put seatbelts in the seatbelts didn't work good enough. We put the shoulder strap in. Now it's against the law to ride without it. Um, all of these things that, 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 that pop up, we put these safety, um, these safety measures in place, but the obvious safety measure in regard to mass shootings, we don't want to do that. Um, I think that's sad, um, and I think that um, the, the thing about the the issue there, or part of the issue, I think, is that everyone thinks that they're the good guy, right? And everyone is the good guy until one day you're not, and then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you know, it, it's tough. Like everybody want, like everybody's Batman, <laughs> and they're going, they're gonna have the, like their secret persona, like they're gonna save the day, like. When when the shootings happen, I'm sure that there are people, millions of people all across the country that are sitting at home like, well, if that happened when I was in the mall, then I would do like this with the barrel roll and I come out of, out of the gap firing off and I take the bad guy out. Like we think that way. Look at the TV. Right. Look at the movies. Look at all the media we consume. Like we believe that about ourselves. And. Sadly, it's not true. No, like you know, <laughs> that's that's not how the world really operates. Like, there is no Batman coming to save you. Uh, there is no vigilante, uh, no Punisher that's going to come and shoot all the bad guys. Like, and you're not that person for real. So, until we come to grips with those things and realize that, um, you know, the 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 cache of weapons that we have stored uh, to. Uh, form a militia and fight the government as our uh, Second Amendment rights say, um, that's not going to work. They have drones and missiles that will blow you away before you even pull the trigger. So let's not pretend anymore that that Second Amendment actually serves a real purpose. And and let's do what t- what it takes to, to fix a problem. But 
until we get there, we're going to have more trouble. Yeah. Um, is that because I kind of with any issue, I try to do my best to try to find the root cause and I'm successful oh, sometimes, yeah. I think. And other times I'm just going down a rabbit hole because I'll never really know. Um, but with this, for example, with guns, and I don't mean to get off the topic here. It's just that this yeah, we're, we're way we're, we're way off topic, <laughs> but then we're not quite off topic because when you talk about what is hip hop culture, all of this is interwoven in there. But go yeah. ahead and finish your point. Um, so the whole gun, the Second Amendment thing, is that driven by, would you say, predominantly white people or black people? A little bit of both. Well, what, what do you think? What what's really going on there is it's about the money. Um, and if you think about it, there are billions of dollars to be had um, and and a lot of jobs depend on the manufacture of guns, the manufacture of ammunition, the manufacture of all the accoutrements uh, that go along with it. Uh, there are people who own shooting ranges. Those are small businesses that would go away if we do away with guns that's problematic for the economy but let's not also forget that there are billions of dollars to be made in putting brown and poor people in jail for owning guns illegally putting people in a situation where they are so impoverished that they think that the only way out is through violence when you're in a survival situation you're not thinking about can i uh, you know, can I get a nine to five that's going to pay me in two weeks? You're thinking about how can I feed my children tonight? And everything becomes a possibility. So now if I put that person in that situation and they do what they feel they have to to survive, then I get to put them in jail and we make more money off of that because the prison, hey, we got to stock it with food. We got to make sure they have uniforms. We have to um, make money off of them as they do the work to make our clothing and our license plates and do road work and fight fires for us at 12 cents an hour or less. There's too much money in guns Mm -hmm. for us to really do away with them. So it's a rich people thing. It's not really a a black or a white thing. Okay. So this would be, this should be a nice, a nice segue into um, hip hop is the, is this next thing I kind of want to bring up. Um, and you can give me your opinion. So, how, did you see the um, the Westbrook situation, Russell Westbrook? Uh, so I saw about it. I didn't see the clip, okay, per se. Um, and I never got to understand what the guy actually said to him. Okay. Um, I just know that it was um, way out of bounds, apparently. And so Russell addressed it, and I don't blame him for addressing it. Right. Okay, so we obviously weren't there, and we don't know the exact words that were said. And right. um, Russell ain't saying, and nobody else is really saying. You could see them holding back in the interviews. I don't know why they're not really saying what what he what he said. Um, but the guy says that he told him to ice his knees, and we know that's not true. No, that's not going to um, invoke that kind of reaction. No, I think that. Um, if if knees are involved, it lends itself to something, um, some sort of a homophobic slur, most likely. Um, and our hyper-masculine culture, that's, um, that's un- it's not tolerable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Russell responded. Now, who knows if that guy's been talking all night or if he's there every time and he's talking. Utah has 
a reputation. The fans of Utah have a reputation um, across the league yeah. for being particularly racist. Call them, uh, being call particularly them black dudes, niggas on the court. Not yes. niggas, niggers. <laughs> yes, but now let's not pretend that that doesn't happen a little bit everywhere. Right. But when you look at um, the demographics in Utah, you can understand how they might attempt um, – they might see it as an opportunity to weaponize a word or to uh, weaponize aspects of a culture that maybe they don't understand or maybe isn't allowed there. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by that at all. You hear the same thing in Boston, right? There's racially charged cities and and locations across the country. So it's not surprising um, that that happens. I just wish that Westbrook's response had been more skilled. Um, as black men, we always have a, a, the, the problem where when someone speaks out of turn to you, if you respond a certain way with physical violence or um, as vulgarly as Westbrook did, in a certain way, you're confirming what the person has said about you, mm-hmm. at least in that person's mind. But if you take the... The, the road of being the bigger person, then you have to bear all of that. This person said X to me and I did effectively nothing except show that those words didn't hurt me. The thing that you said didn't bother me. It didn't evoke any reaction from me whatsoever. I went on about my business because you can't hurt me. But those scars still hurt on the inside, right? So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, but he said what he had to say. Yeah. So the reason the reason I bring it up is because I've been watching all the aftermath of that. Sure. And I've been watching all the stuff on ESPN and all the sports <laughs> shows, right? Uh-huh. And I'm seeing black commentators and white commentators. And what I'm seeing are two different conversations being had about not surprising. About what's happening, right? And okay. just assuming what the guy said was racially charged and Westbrook responded how he responded because that's the conversation that's being had, you know, on, on TV and in the media. Sure. And one of the issues I'm having with this conversation is I see all the black guys, except for, um, I think it's Nick, Wright. Um, he kind of, I think it's Nick, Wright. Nick Wright's the white guy that's on with Chris Carter. Is he a white dude? Nick, yeah, Nick Wright's a white guy. I thought he was mixed. <laughs> no. If, it, if it's um, who I'm thinking. He's, so he's a, um, he's a he's a white guy, but he's the white guy with the with the bald fade uh, and the tight edge up. Um, he's the Ari Melber type where he's as like to um, quote a hip-hop lyric at you as uh, somebody in the barbershop. It, it's, yeah, it's Nick Wright. You're right. It's him. It's, that's yeah, so so yeah, Nick Wright. He's he's a white guy, but um, uh, he is, from what I know of him, he's a bit of an ally in terms of uh, you know, striving for racial equality and things right. like that. So Nick Wright is the only one I heard speak any truth about what was transpiring in this conversation, and it seems like all the other black guys. And I don't really want to name any names because I don't know their reasoning, and I don't want to call them out because I don't know. I don't. I just don't know. But sure. a lot of them are talking around the issue, and the issue that I'm talking about is like, why would Westbrook behave that way? 
because like the white commentators are having this conversation about Westbrook is a professional athlete. These are NBA fans talking trash to an NBA athlete. And the black guys are trying to explain to the white commentators it's bigger than that. This it, it's that's involved, but it's it's all of our history. Right. It, it's us getting shot in the street. It's us being lynched. It's it's all of that. It's much right. it, bigger it, it, than that. And I don't understand why they can't talk about that. I don't understand why they can't say to the white commentator, I appreciate your opinion, but you don't know what you're talking about. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I'm saying you're not coming in this conversation with all the information or you're not acknowledging all the information. And they dance right. around saying that. And like I said, the reason I was trying to make this a segue into the hip hop conversation, because I feel like hip hop has allowed us to say what we wanted to say. So, yes, hip hop has given a voice to the voiceless. Um, and it is um, it, it's it's beautiful and wonderful gift to humanity in that way. It gives a voice to the voiceless. Um, what I will say is in regard to those those folks that seem to be tongue tied, if you will, on this Westbrook situation. Yeah, there is a reason that uh, whenever there is a lone shooter in America, um, if he is not Muslim, if he is not brown, he is not called a terrorist. There is a reason for that. And the people who pay the bills and the people who make the money have a vested interest in keeping it that way. So now if I work for ESPN, if I work for Fox News, there's an element where I have a co-host on this show or I'm being called on to this show to talk about this particular issue. If I downgrade the intelligence or the opinion of my the person I'm, I'm co-hosting with, right, the, the person whose show that I may be um, guest starring on, I'm not going to be invited back. Mm -hmm. So so there's an element of if I speak my full mind, then I lose my opportunity to say anything at all. Likewise, um, you know, if, if if I'm on that side of the equation, then I'm looked at as a Tom. Like if I, if I say that, That's what I'm saying. That, you know, I, I believe that he should have been more reserved then I'm looked at as, as an Uncle Tom. But it is difficult for anyone to really understand that being black in America uh, is often a situation where it's death by a thousand cuts. So that's not the first time that someone has said something untowards, racially motivated, homophobic, perhaps, to Russell Westbrook. My mother has a saying, it's not the first time, it's just the worst time. You don't know what Russell was dealing with on the way there. You don't know what his family uh, just called him about before that game. You don't know what's going on in his life. That night, he couldn't take one more cut. That night, he had to say something to somebody, and he wasn't going to just sit there and take it. And we all have a breaking point. And he reached it, and we saw it. And that's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for his legacy. But <laughs> unfortunately, as, as black people – we're not allowed to say all of the things. We're not allowed to say uh, everything that's on our mind because it affects our ability to be paid. Look at Colin Kaepernick. 
All he said was, I'm going to take a knee because I was told that's the most respectful way to protest. I'm not going to say anything at all. I'm just going to kneel down here because people are being shot unfairly in the street. The man has not had a job since. And he didn't say anything disrespectful. He didn't say anything vulgar. He actually talked to a veteran and found the most respectful way to protest. And for that, his jersey has been burned. He's blackballed from the league to the point that the league acknowledged it and had to pay him a settlement. So we are hyper aware of the fact that if we say too much, we have a, we're going to lose our livelihood. And we got to eat. And we have to feed our families. Now, So we're stymied. But the question is, though, that I have is where do we draw the line? Like at what point or is there a line that we draw or is it just this really, really, really slow progression? Like I'm like I keep having this thing to myself and it's, it's it's easy for me to say this sitting here, you know, not on ESPN and not with that kind of you know pressure or whatever you want to say. Um, I admit that, but I'm like, when do, do we draw the line? Like, where do we draw the line? Like, why, why do we have to keep dancing? I mean, I know why we have to dance. You just kind of, you went through, you went through it. Yes. But But where's the line? That that line is personal. And I, I think that's really what it comes down to. That line is personal. So you will see those same commentators that dance on this issue. Something else will come up and they won't dance. Um, some of them, it will be the next time an athlete is being investigated for hitting a woman. They won't dance because their aunt or their mother or somebody close to them was beaten. And that's a line that cannot be crossed. Because that's not everyone, socially acceptable. But but everyone has – that personal line is 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 there and, and a person is going to speak from their heart on those issues. So it, it might be that, um, you know, uh, when uh, Michael Bennett – was accosted by the police officers. Some people were very specific about um, speaking out there mm-hmm. when that happened uh, a few years ago. Some of those same people have less to say about this issue. I just think that the line in the sand is personal. Um, and, you know, to take that back to hip hop, think about, jeez, um, oh, I forget which album it was, but Nas wanted to release an album called Nigger. Mm-hmm. He couldn't release that album with that title. Now, Nas is one of the most respected, um, one of the most successful rappers of all time, right? Mm -hmm. His label, the people with the real money, told him, you can't do that. Now, he could have forged ahead and stuck with it, Mm -hmm. but he chose not to, and he went along with it. Sometimes you got to you got to go along to get along. Right. Mm-hmm. So he released the album and now he reached the benefit of having released that album. And it still has subversive messages in it. It still has challenging protest message in it. But the line is drawn. You can't call it nigger. OK, mm-hmm. look at another example. Um, going back to hip hop, the second leader of the new school album comes out time. That album is completely finished. And the label listened to it, and they said, it's not good. What we want to do is have Q-Tip come in and remix the album. Keep the songs. Just let Q-Tip remix the album. Charlie Brown said, not no, but hell no. Leaders of the New School produced it. Leaders of the New School made it. This is the album that we want to release. 
it's the last album that Leaders of the New School has ever released. Mm-hmm. It's the last album they they've ever done. Buster Rhymes at that point, Buster Rhymes goes solo, and the rest of those dudes are at a car dealership somewhere. I don't know what they're doing, but they damn sure ain't making records. There is a cost. There is a cost for being that kind of rebel, and 99.9% of, of the people are not willing to pay it. So, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I know this stuff, but I get outraged. I get up in I get in my emotions. Yeah. I get it's emotional. My, it's emotional. I get in my emotions and it's like so is the answer that we have to continue to take to make incremental progress. An inch here, an inch there. Is is that how we get ahead? Is that fast well, enough? It can't there be is fast no other enough kind of progress because there is no other kind of progress. We're dying you're, in the meantime. You're going yes, but we're dying less quickly than when we were uh, than during the Middle Passage. We're dying less quickly than when Emmett Till was um, was beaten and 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 murdered uh, because a, a white woman lied about him whistling at her. We're dying at a slower rate. We're, we're dying at a slower rate, and we're advancing further. I never thought in my whole life, what what uh, EPMD say? Um, uh, forget talk about leaders and talk of a black president um, and, and rap about the black cracked out mayor in our residence. Like that was what I grew up understanding to be the, the case. Not ever going to be a black president. The closest we could get would be Bill Clinton, who put millions of black people in jail. With his with his laws and his drug wars and all of those things, but we we claim him as the as the uh, as the first black president or as you know because uh, he was on Arsenio one time playing the saxophone and get wait. the fuck all the way out of here like <laughs> he did some evil shit to black people. Didn't his so, wife was she the one who said super predators? She said super predators. She wasn't the first one to say it, and she didn't write the policy that he enacted that put all the brothers behind jail that, with that the three strike that happened rule under him. The three strike rule maximum um, or minimum sentencing laws increased under under Clinton. Um, the drug war like intensified under Clinton. All of these things happened and made a whole lot of money for a whole lot of already rich people by putting black people in jail. Mm-hmm. So I'm not claiming him. But when Barack Obama became president, I sat on my couch with my daughter who was – I don't even think she was school age at the time. I'm trying to think back. I don't think she was school age. She didn't understand what was happening. But I sat and I watched it that morning, that next morning, and cried with her because I realized that she could see that a black man could be president, Mm -hmm. that a black man with a wonderful black wife who was elegant and and. Like they were just the whole everything. They were perfect. They had the two little girls, like the puppy. They did the whole thing, right? right. Like they were the, they were off a fucking postcard. <laughs> like that can happen. We can have it. You can do that for real. And I'm not just blowing smoke, telling you you can be anything you want, knowing good and hell well that the sky is the limit. I'm telling you that look, there is evidence that you can do it, which is why Wakanda was so important. Because we need to be the superheroes. There's a movie coming out in a couple of weeks um, where there is some alien race has come to the earth I know and, what you're talking about. Yeah. and done all of these things. And there's a brother 
who is fighting back. That is so powerful that we can be the lead character, that we can see that. Those shitty uh, Will Smith Wild Wild West movies and things like that, they make a difference because little black kids can see themselves as the hero. Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel does that for women of all races. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't have she didn't have to fall in love with no man. She wasn't chasing behind no man. Her mentors were women. Her best friend, her best friend and her helper was a woman like that's powerful. And those images will help. They will continue the progress. It just it's got it's going to be slow. It's always going to be slow. Progress is never it's always an inch at a time because you can't move any faster. than that. Mm -hmm. I, I can't jump a mile without moving an inch. Sometimes we go faster than others, but it's progress. Progress nonetheless. Damn, I be rambling. You got to stop me, man. I be no, going on. No, no, <laughs> That's why I got you on here, man. Oh, goodness. That's why I got you on here. We want to hear you talk. Uh, well, that's, we want to hear you talk, man. That's what you got. You got the, your opinions. I need to, we need to hear that. People need to hear well, that. That's why when I talk to you, I'm like, yeah, we need to get them on the podcast. <laughs> well, that's what it is. That, I, I'm sure it's going to be some feedback. So I'm like, uh, don't ever talk to him again. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm gonna put. I'll probably, that's okay. I'm gonna have you back on. Um, okay, so um, I got a real generic question. All right. And I, you answer however you want to answer it. What is hip hop, John? Oh, oh, oh! Um, what is it? Yo, is it different for everybody? Is it a? Is there? Is there a single answer? All right, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a really sappy answer. Hip hop is my first love, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> how about that, right? Um, you. So when I think about hip, like, cause I've been thinking about like the culture behind hip hop, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is. Um, it's this beautiful thing. In, in America where we we create things, right? We invent things. And if, if you look musically, we have jazz, we have rock and roll, we have the blues. We created these art forms, these styles to say the things that were on our hearts that we couldn't get out any other way. We didn't have a platform to say those things, even going back to spirituals with the swing low, sweet chariot and all of that. Right. Like we found a way to say what was on our hearts anyway, even though folks didn't want to hear it, even though they didn't want to hear it from us, we found a way. And not only did we do that, we made it so good that it keeps getting co-opted. Right. Mm -hmm. So you look at, Jazz, you look at rock and roll, right? Like those are not necessarily seen contemporarily as black art forms, but that's how they started. So we get to a place where the music programs are out of the schools. We have these horrific slums um, where uh, heroin has been purposely pushed into them. Um, and we know that because the COINTELPRO records and all of those things. So we know that heroin was pushing in these communities in, in a specific effort to break them down. So we're impoverished. The fathers are out of the homes in a lot of places. Uh, people are dead. People are incarcerated. We have all these problems. How do I get to say what I want to say? Okay, well, these disco records are hot right now and people want to dance. 
So I'm going to take this turntable because I have that, and I'm going to spin this part of the record, and I'm going to keep bringing it back so that the party keeps going. All right, people like that. Well, I want them to know who I am. So I'm DJ, I'm DJ Hollywood. I'm DJ Grandmaster, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to say that to you. And then I'm going to keep the party going. Somebody say ho. Everybody scream. And then we keep it going. And I realize that you'll remember it. If I say, you know, DJ Hollywood, rock your body good. Oh, it rhymes. They remember that. They're going to bring me back to the next party. And it keeps growing. And it becomes this opportunity for us to get together and have these massive, wonderful parties and do this new thing. And then somebody gets the idea. It's like, wait a minute. What if I take this rhyme further? And they do that. And we get our Melly Mel's. And we get, you know, like those those cool hurts and, and those those real pioneers that start this thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a party. But we're partying. What what did um Butterfly from Digable Planet say? He said, beats are played on Friday to get Monday off your chest. <laughs> so we're partying to forget. We're partying to get away for the length of the song, for the length of the party. Can't help but talk about what we're getting away from. Now we get the message. Oh shit, we can say something with this and it's not just about party time. Okay, great. And then it gets better and it gets better and we get to the point where it gets co-opted. But that doesn't work because there's a piece of hip-hop that's different. There's a piece of hip-hop that's about authenticity. There's a piece that's about being real, being honest, and saying what's really going on. And that couldn't be duplicated. You couldn't replace Rakim the way you replaced Chuck Berry with Elvis Presley. Doesn't work quite the same. Mm -hmm. What you had to do was get somebody who could be honest in their own way. So now you see Yellow Wolf. Now you see Eminem, Machine Gun Kelly. They got their own bad shit going on. Because please don't get me wrong. Poor white folks got it bad in America. They got it bad in America. So they can talk about that and it's authentic and it's real and that's hip-hop. To me, hip-hop is... Other than my first love, it is the amalgamation of all of the things that take away your voice turned into the supreme expression of exactly that voice. It is rebellion. It is bringing power to the powerless. And that's something that everybody can feel because everybody feels powerless at some point. At least most people do. Mm-hmm. So you can tap into that and you can feel that vibe. And, and it's, it's something that is very freeing, man. It's very freeing. Yeah, for me, it's it's mostly been, and I'm sure it's not obviously just me, it's been a safe space. Mm. Um, it's just been a safe space. Um, the same way you feel comfortable when you're in a room full of black people as opposed to a room full of white people. Um, there's just a, there's just a comfort there. And um, it's, 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 and this is kind of one of the things I want to kind of go down and talk about okay. with you is um, the culture of it. And one of the things, and people on this podcast know my wife is white. And one of the things my wife noticed, and she asked me one day, she was like, why do you guys always speak to each other? 
<laughs> like strangers, right? Sure. Whether I'm in Ohio, Texas, New York, Atlanta. I don't know about New York. Slow down now. Slow and, down. Well, it's, it was that way for me. You, you, it's, it depends. What you mean, like, like what part? So, so, so I remember because I've I've lived in Jersey. I you know lived up and down the East Coast, and then uh-huh. I moved to Texas, right? So I remember. Going home, my bad for the phone uh, right. happening in the background. I'm trying to cut this off. Um, but I remember going home one time and, uh, you know, I, I speak to people. So I walked past a, a brother on the street. I said, what's up? He was like, what's up then? I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. I'm back east. Like, I forgot I was I'm home. back you know? east. <laughs> like, I forgot I was home. And and you don't, you don't have to talk to me unless we have – something to talk about, right? It's okay. not the same as in, it's, it's a little different in the South and maybe the Midwest. I don't know. Cause I'm not trying to come to your state if it don't touch the ocean. Cause that's scary. So, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, maybe, the, maybe the Midwest got it popping like the South and, and, and people are more friendly, but, um, it is a wonderful thing that we can talk to each other like that. Um, even but, without words, just that head nod. That that's the thing. It's always the head nod. And yeah, I don't know when I started doing that or when that happened. It's just it's just there. And I, I can't even remember when that started. And it's just something we do. And my wife was like, what is that? And you know, I was like, you yeah. know what? I don't know. We but just you know, do that because I mean, it, it, I can tell you what it feels like for me. It feels, um, it feels like an ally. It, it feels, yeah. it feels safe. It feels like, I don't know. Let me. This is this is a bad story. This is really bad. But I'm gonna tell myself real quick and make this real Yo, short. Word. I was on an airplane after September right. 11th. Oof. And um, this um, this Middle Eastern guy got up in the middle of the flight, went to the bathroom, and he you know he had he had his head wrapped and everything right. And I'm in the aisle, and he gets up and goes to the bathroom. Me and this white dude looked. He was sitting to my left. Me and him looked at each other, and we nodded. Like, hey, it goes down. Uh-huh. We're gonna do something about it. Yes, and that's the best way I can explain it from my no, perspective. What that feels it, like with black people, it's like I'm here. I see you. You see me. Yes, that's a hundred percent it. It's it's an acknowledgement um, that that is wordless. Um, that says, "Hey, we're here. We're here together. I see you. I recognize you. You're not alone." Um, and, and I noticed that that actually, that predates hip hop. Um, I saw my father do it with his friends. Um, really, I, you know, yes, the old heads, the old heads have done that. Um, that head nod or the, the tilt back, you know, depending on where you're from, it's either a, a nod down or the tilt back. Um, like that absolutely predates hip hop. Um, because the need for a safe place, uh, the need for an ally in the room uh, predates hip hop. So, you know, that 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 wordless head nod greeting um, has been a part of the culture for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, that that's part of it. OK. Um, so, yeah, like hip hop is I was doing a little bit of research. I was just curious on some of the numbers. It, it's It's the most popular art form right now. Um, mm-hmm. It has been for some while, for some while, for some time. Um, it, it's 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 like uh, I think I don't know twenty four. I think twenty four point five percent of music. Um, rock. I think rock and roll is next. No, rock and roll. Sure? Pop. It's country, right? 
Um, let me see. Must be a beautiful rock pop compilation. Um, it's something like that. I think it's either yeah. pop, rock, or country. But yeah, hip hop's yeah. winning, and mm-hmm. um, which kind of brings me to like kind of my next question or point is why is it so powerful, and why do white people consume it so much? Well, it's turned. To me, it's turned, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, think think of television um, in, in the 80s um, and the depictions of black people that you saw there. Uh, going back to, as far as I can remember back, things like Starsky and Hutch, where the black people were the criminals or it was Huggy Bear who was... Um, you know, sucking up to the cops, right? Yeah. Um, you you scroll that forward, um, and with rare exceptions like Good Times, um, and uh, even like What's Happening, right? Your depictions of of blackness uh, have been fairly negative, car- caricatures, if you will, and frequently they were funny on purpose. So we're allowed to be comedians. We're allowed to be hyper aggressive. Uh, we're allowed to be uh, criminals and violent. Um, we're allowed to fill all those stereotypes on TV, right? And in mm-hmm. media, um, it is uh, important to note that. Excuse me. That um, Esther Roll uh, was offered that role on Good Times, and the studio tried to write James out of the story, but she explained that she was going to refuse the role if they removed him from the story. Mm -hmm. And they said that black fathers can't be funny. Like black fathers are not something that people want to see when there was, uh, in the nineties, there were a couple of attempts at black led or, uh, largely black cast, uh, dramas, it happened a couple of times. They tried a black ER. They tried a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. Those shows did not work. The country was not ready for serious black folks. Even when we were successful, a lot of the Cosby's, we still had to be funny. So if you roll this wonderful thing that is hip hop forward to now to the place where it hits its commercial success, what you see is N.W.A., for people who don't understand the truth that they were trying to speak, they are the violent caricatures. They are an animation of the guy I see on the nightly news who robbed the liquor store. Mm-hmm. You don't understand how serious their plight is and the forces that make them think and speak the way that they do until way down the line. Maybe. So what's happening is America, and I'm not just going to put it on white folks. I'm going to say America likes to consume the stereotypes and the caricatures of black people that America has created. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's going on, in my opinion. Okay. Kind of like they're playing, they're playing with it like a toy almost. Yes, because it's it's um, you know it's it's safe to consume um, in in those quantities and in this particular manner. Um, you know it's it's far away from me, but ooh, it's it's so real, it's visceral, right? Um, but it, it's still safe because it's just music. Um, I can go shake my ass to it. Plus, you know the beat is good. 
people going to dance to it regardless. Right. Yeah, and then, I mean, I don't want to get to a conversation about cultural appropriation because that's not a rabbit hole I'm going to get down right now, but <laughs> that's something that I, I've, I always speak out about, and I name a lot of artists um, that participate in that, in my opinion, and um, I'm mad that they get away with it. But I, I do think um, some of those artists, and I'll just let you, you the listener, figure that out. Um <laughs> Who's who's doing that? It seems like to me that black people are getting less and less uh, tolerant with that kind of behavior from um, white artists that that come in and uh, you know use our culture get get paid and bounce. And um, I can't remember who I was talking to. I was talking to someone about it, and they were like, you know, can you kind of explain that to me? What you're talking about? I'm like, it's like this. It's the best way I can explain it. Is imagine you're in a relationship with someone. And they only show up for the sex. And then after the sex, they're gone. They're not there yeah. for any of the other stuff. Right. That's what it feels like to me when um, a white person appropriates our culture. Uh, that You know, that's fair. Um... Is that too aggressive? <laughs> no, no, I'm just thinking like from a dude's perspective, I'm like, well, that's kind of not too bad. But <laughs> <laughs> It's like... <laughs> Oh, I'm wild problematic today. So, <laughs> um, no, I think I think you do have a valid point, though, and that happens. It's um, to me, the cultural appropriation is where you have the Elizabeth Taylor playing Cleopatra, okay. right? Where you have um, uh, something like that kung fu show that was supposed to be a Bruce Lee vehicle, but then David Carradine gets it because America was not about to watch some Asian man be on the TV, but it's a karate movie. Like, you know, it's, it's a karate, like, uh, where we had, you know, movies with Indians in it, but we didn't have no Indians playing the Indians. Right. Right. Um, it, it, that is, is where it gets problematic for me. Um, it is annoying when you have, um, People who, you know, let's say they make rap music, but then when a tragedy happens, they're nowhere to be found. That's right? what I'm talking about. So when when I see things like Eminem, um, regardless of how I feel about his his music, when I see him speaking out against Trump, uh, when I see him speaking up, um, you know, when things happen, he now uh, in his shows, he's wearing uh, like all of his t-shirts are classic rap albums, mm-hmm. um, you know, by like the pioneering artists that influenced him, letting his fans who have no idea who Master Ace is understand that that Master Ace album was fire mm-hmm. and it inspired him um, and learn who Cool G Rap is. Um, you know, like when I see that, I'm like, okay, that's paying respect. That is being honest about how you feel about not just the art form, but the people who birthed it, mm-hmm. um, about the conditions that birthed it, uh, that all, I, I will say it like this, all real hip hop asks of you is honesty. If, if you come in and you tell the truth, we'll find a way to fuck with you. Look at biz, right? Mm-hmm. Like biz Marquis. Um, he's not um, a, a lyrical giant, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he's not go- like his more complex rhymes 
were oftentimes written by Big Daddy Kane. Mm -hmm. But he came in, he was having fun, he wanted you to have fun with him, and that's where it was. We can rock with that. Um, you you come across like the cast like uh, from Wu Tang Clan, the cast from from um, Boot Camp Click out of Brooklyn. Like when they tell you crime tales, they did that. Mm-hmm. Like they did that. Capadonna's not in Wu, not original Wu Tang because he was in jail when they were trying to get their money together to make the first record. But he was supposed to be there. They, he's credited with teaching some of them dudes how to rap. Mm-hmm. When you talk about Boot Camp Click, that first Black Moon record. There's some members of the crew who are not on that record because they were in jail when the record was being recorded. Like, if you are telling the truth, we can fuck with you. So when you spin that forward and you talk about um, a guy like uh, Will Smith, Will Smith, when he was he made parents just don't understand Nightmare on My Street. Like he didn't come out and tell you he was hard. He made these songs and he famously tells a story about how he was on tour with, I want to say, like one of those really Def Jam tours or something like that. And some guy gets backstage and punched him in his face. And the interviewer was like, well, what did you do? He was like, I held my eye. (laughs) 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 He's not a thug. Like He's not pretending to be one. So what what is problematic is when, and I'm about to dig in deep uh, on some some hip-hop shit because this is my thing. That's why I got you here. Uh, you look at a group like the UMCs, the Universal MCs. They were out of Staten Island. They were talking about Wu-Tang flow before anybody knew who Wu-Tang was mm-hmm. outside of Staten Island, right? Um, and they came out with this album, and it was Blue Cheese, and it was Craftworks, and it was all fun and happy and shit because that's who and where they were. Their second album comes out. Uh, the first album was Forces of Nature. The second album comes out, and it's a lot harder it's a lot more of the Staten Island that we know from dealing with Wu-Tang and people couldn't rock with it. They had, they had turned the corner. It was something different. It wasn't real. Either you were lying before when you were happy, go lucky, or you're lying now when you're trying to be hardcore, the fans couldn't follow it. Even though, they were young, having fun when the first album came out, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the life that they were le- living when the second album came out. It didn't work. Black Sheep. Same thing happens. The first album, they're just getting into with the native tongues. They're running around fucking everything that moves, and the album is fun. And they're talking about strobe light hoes and, you know, the Lazarus Association, Ladies Against Sexist Motherfuckers, and, like, they having fun on that record. The second album was so much more serious. And fans couldn't follow them there. So you, you you have to know that hip-hop is really about authenticity. And you've got to carry the torch for whatever you present yourself to be. Like, you've got to continue to carry that torch. Classic example, and it's the last one I give you, is your Vanilla Ice. He came out, he told all these lies about who and how he was. And when the truth came out, nobody fucked with him anymore. Mm-hmm. Now him getting dangled over the balcony by Suge Knight and all that shit notwithstanding and getting sued and and lying to the police and all of that. Like, that's all extra. Mm-hmm. When he came out, if he had come out and was like, I'm so-and-so Van Zandt or whatever his last name is and I'm, a, a, you know, a, a white boy from from North, uh, North Central Texas and, and, and did rhymes about that, he'd have been fine. Third base. Third base was true to third base. 
they found a lane. Like, Cool Keith. Cool Keith writes some bizarre shit, but he found a lane because he stayed honest and he stayed true to himself. Mm-hmm. It's the cats who switch. It's the cats who come in phony, come in faking. Like, those are the ones that get found out and tossed out every time. And so I, I w- I'm going to say, and um, just to, for the listener here, um, do you think that that plays into, like, beyond the music, kind of back to the culture of it, I guess bringing it back to black people and how we are in society and how we move through society, does that play kind of into the um, – I don't know. Um, I want to say like Uncle Tom kind of conversation or, you know, like you're not being authentic. You're, we don't know what you're doing. Um, To me, it's more about the code switching conversation. Code, uh, there you um, go. Which which is where you have um, a lot of times you notice that, uh, well, a lot of times it feels like black people are bilingual. Um, If I go in um, and I'm giving a presentation in the office, um, I'm not going to use the same uh, language and grammar constructs that I will use if um, you know having to be with my buddies. It's it's just different, mm-hmm. and and sometimes in the community you are downgraded for that, or you are perpetrating right. You're you're not uh, being true. Uh, but on the other side of that, you have the famous Dave Chappelle skits when keeping it real goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if if we're if we're sharing a beer and talking shit, um, I can grab my nuts and say a whole lot of motherfuckers. If I'm in the boardroom, I cannot be grabbing my nuts and using four letter words. It does not work that way. You can't be successful that way. Even if it's an all black run company, you're not going to be successful that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it is a matter of being able to operate in all of the different rooms and all of the different uh, places that you're going to find yourself as a human being. The the issue with it is. We've been outsiders for so long. We've been marginalized for so long that when someone is able to go be successful in that mainstream arena, um, the folks who are still on the margins feel a certain kind of way about that. Uh, And that's problematic Mm -hmm. for them. Right. And then you, you have to deal with, uh, you know, maybe you deal with some guilt because uh, you have successfully crossed that line or successfully navigated uh, those waters um, or maybe, you know, you doubt your own authenticity, um, because you're able to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it has a, there is a toll on both sides of that coin. Um, but the truth of the matter is that if you come from, if you're a white boy from Appalachia, when you make it to the boardroom, you have to speak differently than you do when you go back home. If, if you're from, um, you know, I don't know. Nebraska and you get a corporate job in Dallas or in LA or uh, New York, you're going to have to walk some of the Nebraska out of your voice to be able to be fully successful in that new place. It's not something that is unique to black people. 
the difference is because of centuries of being marginalized and oppressed, it feels like someone is turning their back on their people when they change their grammar structure. That's not what's happening. Uh, there is no, and and this is this is something I'm glad I have a chance to say uh, for for the audience. Right, mm-hmm. there is no thing that will make you more or less black other than your DNA. And we like to say that, you know, this is black and that is not black. Black people don't do this. Black people do this. That is patently not true because you know as well as I do, okay? Like, yes, I do. I'm I'm rapidly rap guy. But I also play Dungeons and Dragons. The police are not going to look for my D20 when I step out of the car. Right. They're going to look at my skin. So it does not matter if I'm mountain climbing and hang gliding and I play the violin and the cello. None of that has anything to do with my blackness. That has to do with my interests and my abilities. And those are separate things. And we conflate the two all too often and paint ourselves in boxes and allow other people to do that as well. Your blackness is in your DNA. All the stuff you like is your interests. That's not your race. Yeah, like I'm real happy you said that, and I'm real happy that you liked saying that <laughs> because <laughs> you know personally, and like I said, people listen to the podcast know I have these kind of conversations where I talk about you know some of my experiences, and you know you've been around me, so you know who I am. Yeah, and I come from Middle America. Right. right. I didn't come from the hood, you know. Right. And so I've always had this constant ongoing battle with some of my own people about, mm-hmm. you know, my authenticity mm-hmm. and what's your motive and who are you? Because I don't talk like they do. You don't talk black. You don't do this and that. And a lot of the problems I had growing up was having black experiences. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. Okay. We're good. Um, is having black experiences, but being told by my own peers that I'm not black enough while oh, yeah. I'm still out getting pulled over yes. by a cop or yes. I'm in a store and I can't get service. I'm like, yo, I'm experiencing the same things that you are. Maybe not the exact same thing, but it's all coming from the same place. Yes. And um, while I was real happy, and this is recent, when uh-huh. um, OJ... Uh, OJ. Jay-Z put out the song Story of OJ. Right. You know, I, I can't remember how the chorus go, but it's, you know, light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, um, still nigga. Like, and, yeah. that's, and that's something that I've, I've had a lot of conversations with my wife about, and it's been kind of interesting to see her kind of go through this evolution of information where right. she's, she's been able to see it doesn't matter who you are, black. LeBron James can get it. Yes. Michael Jackson can yes. get it. Yes, we can all get it. <laughs> and like none Look, of us were safe. O- OJ is the best <laughs> example of that because um, he he was, for all intents and purposes, he had been accepted. If there was a racial draft, he wouldn't have been on the black side, right? Right. Um, until they thought he killed a white woman, <laughs> and when that came across, he got real black real quick. Yeah, they threw did. him right on back over to our team. Um, and he was reminded of of the truth 
Um, it does not matter how much money you have. It does not matter about your degrees or any of those things. What what matters is in the DNA. Um, and that is kind of, in my opinion, in my observation, in my study, um, I think that is the main, um, one of the main issues with why black people are always going to be Afro-American or African-American or something along those lines. Because whereas I can come over here as an Irish person and once my children don't have an accent, they're American. Mm -hmm. Um, Black and brown immigrants or the children of slaves, uh, they don't have that luxury. Uh, We all speak, you know, we, (laughs) we speak American, right? American English. That's what we speak. And we don't have uh, any accent uh, from wherever in West Africa we came from. We don't know, but we're still not fully American because you can see it. There is an element of whiteness to being American that um, I think makes people uncomfortable. Um, And they'll never say that. (laughs) I mean, but, but it's, it's, it's real. Absolutely. It's real. Uh, you know, and, and it, um, it's unfortunate, but it, I mean, it's, it's real. It, it's, it's part of the, it's, it's kind of baked into American culture, right? right. Um, we, we know what right is. Um, and, and it ain't, it ain't the brown folks. It ain't the poor folks. Right. Um, Trying to think of a nice little segue here, but there just really isn't. <laughs> just hit me with it. What's up? Um, <clears throat> so, well, here, let me do this. Let me let me do this. So, with hip hop culture, or more so the music, I should say today, where are you at as far as the authenticity of it? I obviously, no, there there are artists out there, but it it it, it comes off to me as it all mo- not all of it. I gotta make sure I correct myself. Most of it feels <laughs> like bullshit, and it's, it right. feels like it. Hip hop is going through. I don't know. I don't know what it is right now. Like, I don't know <laughs> if it's a growth spurt. I don't know, but it's so, becoming something that I'm not enjoying on a. I don't know general level. I have to go find no, that's real. artists that's real. that I like. Like uh, I really like Dave East. Um, okay. And um, um, I'm a I'm a um, a Kendrick Lamar, uh, yeah. J. Cole. Uh, I, I like really Cole. like Rhapsody. Yeah. Rhapsody's amazing. She's with Jamla, uh, Jamla um, out of the Carolinas. Like she's she's dope. Um, you know, I, in terms of new folks, um, Takashi. You know, I'm like <laughs> that's it's oh jeez. So. Here, here's the thing, right? So we have this, this. We talked about kind of the birth of the music, and we get from the party music into the part where we can say something that matters. And there's kind of a blend of that going through. And we are, everyone is trying to be technically better than the person before. So that's where you get your Big Daddy Kane's and your Rakim and your Cool G Rap um, and all of those sort of lyrical pioneers uh, that really were the vanguard of the music as we left the 80s and went into the 90s right we're really pushing the art of rapping forward at that point right what happens interestingly enough to me is nwa uh, uh, um kind of comes from the scene you get your ice tea 
starts it, right? Like with, with the really hard gangster rap um, in terms of commercially, right? Um, and, and maybe there was some precursor to Ice-T, but he's one of the first that I was aware of. And from him, you get your, your, your NWAs and it kind of grows from there. And that hyper-violent, hyper-sexual um, caricature or characterization of, of black people is really popular across the country right Mm -hmm. the counterbalance to that at the time was you had public enemy right you had um the tribe called quests and the de la souls um who de la soul still making great music tribe released a good album recently but still like you you had that heavy counterbalance so that you could go from electric relaxation to uh a really hard gangster song on the radio Mm -hmm. um but what's happened, though, is the kids grew up on N.W.A. They grew up where, like, that hyperviolent, like, that was the cool thing to do. So now, if no one tells you that there's a bit of showmanship to this, right, that's a bit of hyperbole, then you think that's how it's supposed to be, and you go to emulate that. Like, those are your heroes. They are successful. So now I go emulate that. And we kind of go from, you know, that... that um I'm Chuck D said rap music was CNN for black people. I, I believe he he's the one that said that. Yeah. So we go from where we're reporting on what's going on in the neighborhood to the drug dealers become the rappers. Now we have the rappers are the drug addicts. Like we've, we've crossed over and it's, it's gone to this place where it's all hypersexualization. Uh, it's all violence. It's all party drug use um, to the point that I don't even know what people are saying um, that they mumble so strong on the records uh, or it's just a repeated refrain. And the artistry that I looked for, um, it, it seems like it's lacking, but it's still being purchased. It's still being streamed um, at record rates. Right. So there's a couple of things that happen. Um, if you go back to the seventies, right. In certain neighborhoods, um, the people with money, the successful people were the pimps, uh, the, the, the drug dealers, right. Um, like you, you see that in those, in those impoverished neighborhoods, like that's who you then go emulate. So you want to dress super nice. Uh, you want to get a nice car. Like those are the, the, the options. Those are the opportunities. We're not seeing a lot of folks running off to go be doctors and lawyers or what have you. Like that's not what's shown. That's not what's available to see. So we emulate that. But then the rappers and the ball players come along and, and then that's something else we can go be. Um, and for me to be the next big thing, if I'm going to rap, I have to outdo the one that came before me. So what I I see happening is we're getting a further a further caricature. Like it, each level is uh, more hyperbole. It's more exaggerated as we go, and that's how you get a Takashi with the painted hair and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. If that guy comes out, like if if the people dressed and behave the way that they do now, and that's not just him. Like, I know he's going through his own struggles and whatnot in the court system and all of that. Like, you, sometimes you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. But if you, like, collectively, this sort of era of hip-hop, they would have been 
beaten and run out of the club, run out of the park if they had shown up looking that way. Yeah. But and that's in the, that's your golden era that I'm talking about. That's when I'm coming up. But if you go slightly before that, is Takashi really that far away from Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five? Yeah, like, like the jewelry, had, the <laughs> yeah, like look at Africa Bambada in them. Yeah. And and the Zulu Nation, right? Like yeah. it's really not that far. So so that's a, that's a good point. On the one hand, it's continued exaggeration of uh what rapping or what a rapper is, what an MC is, what a uh, man is in a lot of ways. And then also it's cyclical. Like we've gone from being as real as we possibly can be to let's go back to showmanship and how crazy can I look, which is where we got, um, you know, the grandmaster flashes and, 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 um, you know, force and these and, and, and some of those, those people that were really sort of, uh, I'm thinking Houdini, excuse me, with the leather suits and the, um, and feathers and all that shit around, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it's sort of, it's sort of progressed. Um, and, and in progressing, it's kind of turned back around and it's, it's a cycle. So I'm hopeful that with, um, people like Kendrick, people like, um, J Cole, um, people like uh like i said rhapsody um that's you know the the front of mine uh your joey badasses um you know some of these some of these younger folks that are on the vanguard of the music right now that are successful they are saying some important things um and maybe the cycle continues and we end up back at um you know that that native tongue uh era that uh golden era hip-hop where people were trying to lyrically outdo the person from before them not just make more money spend more money uh fuck more hoes drink more drink do more different drugs uh which is kind of what we have now like i I would love to see the the one-upsmanship return to lyrical ability that would be great that'd be awesome um i would love that uh, and we can kind of start winding down on on, on this next point is um, while all that's happening, um, I'm also seeing this uh, kind of big movement uh, with ownership. And you're seeing, you know, um, at least from my perspective, less and less record deals and more, you know, artists to the fan, you know, contact. There's like mm-hmm. the middleman. And I, I really like that. Like I saw exhibit on some some show, maybe I don't remember what it was. They were like, you know, when are you gonna do another Pit My Ride show? Like, when was when are you gonna bring it back? And he was like, you know, the owners don't want to give me ownership. Right. They want to give me ownership. I'm not doing it. They know what they need to do to get me to get me back on the show. Right. And I'm seeing more of a stance with that, and I love it. I love it. I love it's it fantastic. so much. That makes me so happy. Like, I still. What just happened with? Um, oh. It. Um, Joe Buttons was crying about it. They made a big deal about it. Uh, he was he was crying over some group that got um, their streaming like stripped away from or something. Oh, De La De La Soul. So what's happening there is insane. Um, so there's a uh, so there's a couple of degrees of separation in friendship uh, between uh, like me and De La, right? Um, so like. You know, my boy Derek is is tight with some of those guys. So, mm-hmm. um, what 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 I understand is going on is that um, the record label Tommy Boy, um, to quote the Jizza, 
Tommy ain't my motherfucking boy. So um, <laughs> what what happens is um, they agree to uh, stream the old catalog for Daylight, but they agree to stream the old catalog um, with like a 90-10 split in terms of the proceeds because they claim that Daylight still owes them millions of dollars that Daylight had no idea. Like that's coming from you know, a place they don't know about. Right? right. Like they don't, they don't understand. Like that's not anything they were aware of before these negotiations. So thanks to, um, public upswell or like, like, you know, public uprising, mm-hmm. um, and people like Joe buttons and Jay Z who said that they won't stream any of it on title, um, because of what Tommy boy was trying to do. Like they refused to do it, mm-hmm. um, or to allow it. The label backed off, and they are re-entering negotiations to try to figure something out. And that is, again, voice for the voiceless. It's power for the powerless. Um, you know, think about the people like Master P. Like, I, I'm an East Coast guy, so I'm going to go ahead and say how I feel. Master P and all them No Limit Cats, they kind of sucked. Like, Silk the Shocker ain't been on beat yet. Right. But look at what they did. They took that. um, They 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 saw a way to be legitimately successful. So they made these tapes and they put them out on their own. Too short. Too short. Too short is an underrated genius. As a young, young man, he was like, okay, so I have this ability to rap. He goes around Oakland and makes custom raps for the drug dealers in the different areas of Oakland. So everybody knows Too Short because he's making the songs, but everybody got their own Too Short song to rock. Mm-hmm. That's fucking genius. And so they're selling these uh, songs out of the trunk. Um, who else? Was it Slim Thug or Chameleon Air? Like one of them dudes that like sold records out the trunk and was, um, you know, they sold a million records before they got a record before deal. Before they got the deal, yeah. Like, that thing was slim. I'm going to do it myself. Like I'm going to make a way when there is no way is the epitome of hip hop that I am the boss. I'm in charge and I'm going to figure out a way to make it happen. Like that's the epitome of hip hop. And you see how that translates because I just watched this uh, amazing uh, HBO documentary about um, college athletes, college athletics. Ah, that's a on the watch list. Oh, it's oh so good. And so at the end of it, um, I'm seeing the credits and kind of listening to the song. And it's like a two chain song specifically for uh, this this, uh, you know, this thing uh, for this documentary. But like as I'm watching, it scrolls up. LeBron James is the executive producer. Yeah. Like so LeBron is <laughs> like if if hip hop had a Martin Luther King dream, LeBron might be the fulfillment of that dream. Yeah. Right. So he he's doing things the right way. He skipped college and didn't let somebody make extra money off of him. He went directly to the pros. He made money. He was successful there. He hasn't had trouble. Um, he then doesn't forget where he comes from, makes a point to go back to Cleveland and win a championship unbelievably um, for his hometown. And then he takes all the money that he makes and he turns around and he opens a school and guarantees not only will you get a good education here, despite the fact that you live in this depressed area, but we're going to make sure you have transportation to and from school. We're going to provide benefits for your parents 
to make sure that you have a better environment at home if we can. And we're going to help you get to and through college. That's the whole fucking thing. That's winning. Like, that's the whole thing. And he's doing, like we talked about with hip-hop, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the next thing. Like, I want to be better than what came before me. Okay. Well, Michael Jordan won, won a whole lot of rings. He put up a whole bunch of points. Michael Jordan didn't say shit when injustices went down. Michael Jordan still doesn't say shit when injustices happen. That's the truth. LeBron got the T-shirt on. LeBron built a school. LeBron is helping his people. So I don't give a damn who you think played better basketball. I don't care who you want. If you got one game to win, game seven of the finals, I really don't care. LeBron is the GOAT in terms of success and being a good person and fulfilling the dream that we all have of being hyper successful and then reaching back and helping somebody who didn't make it with you. His whole team is folks that grew up with him in those same circumstances and he put all of them on and got all of them eating well. That's the American dream and it's the hip hop version of that dream. Yeah. And 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 when you talk about that ownership piece, it's only gotten easier with the music because I don't need a record label anymore. Right. I, I will I will I know you say you want to wrap up, so I'm gonna tell you this story real quick and I'll be done. My buddy Derek and I, shout out Derek 320. Um, we've been making music since high school. Okay. Um we've like I said, we recorded with Notch. We got probably two albums worth of material that we recorded with knots, but we had to look for a label and you got to get the, the business right with the producer and all of those things. So you can really make that happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a lot of strings. It's a lot of red tape. So it, it hasn't happened. Okay, cool. But last November I went home um, I had to go do some stuff for work. I was able to extend the trip, and I went through. He said, hey, I'm going to get some studio time. So, okay, bet. So we went through. I recorded seven songs in the session. You know how I do. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I, one take yeah, deal, right? Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you finished? <laughs> you just want to do another take for shits and giggles, man? Like, <laughs> yo, listen, I, I, listen I, I, I try to be a professional. I come to work, you know? So, I go in, I do what I do, and we're finished. He's like, listen, this is good. We should put it out. I said, okay, bet. The next thing I know, for a nominal fee, the Ugly People DMS is on Tidal. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, Google Play. It's on something called Deezer. I ain't never heard of Deezer, but it's out there. It's on Apple Music. It's all over the place. And we didn't need a label to do that. Right. We, we didn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't need uh, somebody extra to help you can digitally sell music out of your trunk right now better yet it's already it's in your pocket yes my album is in your pocket yes (laughs) yes like you know and it's um it's it's incredible and but but see now there's always for for every every uh action there's an equal and opposite reaction the people who do have deals they, they're getting them 360 deals now so whereas you could the label made money off the record sales well they're not selling records anymore and streams are pennies on the dollar like you, you're not you need a whole lot of streams to make money right 
So now the label want the, the label wants some of your merch. The label wants some of your appearance fee. The label wants uh, your tour money. And so there's no um, the only real benefit from signing with the label at this point is sometimes they cast a um, it's marketing. That's that's really what it is. Like yeah. it's marketing and budget for things like videos and stuff like that. But if you got the right phone, you can make a dope video and have it out by the time the label figures out what their concept is, right? Yeah. So we're in a place where um, the field has been leveled um, and everybody has a bit of a voice. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens if hip-hop is the voice of the voiceless, is power for the powerless. Well, everybody has Snapchat and Instagram and all of those things. So we all have a voice. So now what happens to hip hop? Right. I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to say is uh, I heard Issa Rae talking on uh, some interview and she was saying a lot of people in the past have looked up for help. You know, uh, if I could just get on with, with this person, if this person mm. would take my, if this person, at that. And we're always looking up. And she was like, I don't know why we don't look left and right. Oh, that's powerful. Right? That's powerful. And I swear to God, I have been trying to do that for years. Because I don't know, yeah. I don't know how that came to me, but I was like, yo, like, why can't we do what we need to do? Like, everybody wants to be Jay-Z, or not, I won't say everybody, but everybody looks at that level of success. Yes. Everybody can't have that. But you know no. what we all can have? We might be able to have 60000 a year. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. 70000 like a year, eighty right. a year. If like we, we can get we together. Can, we can have more success than we do. We don't have to hit that level. But, you know, like, everybody's not going to be Jordan or LeBron, but it ain't bad to be Allen Houston. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I, I, I could be the first man off the bench for the Spurs. Like, okay, cool. Like, you know? Teddy Mills is living. You know? So... Um, you know, I, I'm, I, I agree with you hundred percent. Like we, you know, each one teach one. And, and if we help each other, we can all get further. Um, so I, I'm with you on that one. 100%. Yeah, I'm really about that. And I'm always trying to figure out ways to do stuff like that. But I, I always, uh, fall short. I'm always about it. And the problem I always run into, and this is maybe like a little personal rant. I'm sorry if, if this is what that's. Oh, you good. Like. Listen, much as I've been talking today, <laughs> rant away. <laughs> um, is is whenever I get in these situations, it's always like nobody wants to do the work. Mm-hmm. Everybody always kind of wants the end result. Nobody wants to do the work. And it always falls on me, and I can't carry all the weight. But I'm like, we can share the weight. We all got to take some, you know, take some ownership. We all got to make sacrifices. I think we can win. Yeah. I, I agree. That's um, all I got. But, you know, it, it that goes back to um, – as Americans, we all have a lottery attitude. Yeah. Like we all think that we're the one in a billion that is going to hit the mega millions. Um, whether that's I'm going to move to LA and work as a waiter or be this barista and I'm just going to magically get discovered or I'm going to be the next YouTube star. Uh, we all think that uh, we're going to hit the lottery. All of us do. Yeah. And it doesn't take work to hit the lottery, um, but it takes a lot of work to be LeBron. Like we we watch we you know we watch all the shots he makes, 
And no one thinks about the hours and hours and really days and weeks he spent missing Mm -hmm. to be able to get there. Um, You know, you look at the Jay-Z, you look at a black thought, like a man that does a 15-minute one-take freestyle on the radio recorded. Mm -hmm. Like, do you have any idea how long he's been writing raps and freestyling every single day of his life to be able to pull that off? You know, it, we don't we don't see the work. We see the end result. And so we want the end result. Uh, we 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 tend to wish and not work. Yeah, that that's that's uh, that's the American way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you one more thing that we can get out of here because I, I sure. come up on our time. Um, I really I this is really just me and you. I really want to just ask you this was. Okay. Um, as, as black people were um, obviously really creative people, right? And we we do all the things we do, and we add flavor to all the things we have flavor to. And we have hip hop. Do you think we use hip hop as a crutch to not create something else? Hmm. That's a deep question. Um, and you might not be able to answer that right now, but I'm like, it's been hip hop for so long. I'm like, because I'm always wondering about stuff like that. I'm like, but, is there is there anything else? But and there is something else. But the, the the thing is, is that if you if you watch the progression, um, you know, when when folks were in the fields, they sang spirituals. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they got out of the fields, um, then you see gospel take take form. And it's a different kind of singing mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as I, I, I grew up in high school in the Assemblies of God Church. And they don't sing the same as Mahalia Jackson. It's a different thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a difference in the churches. Right. So we have gospel. But then from gospel, you get that that rock and roll. You get that, um, you know, um, you, you, you get the, the blues. We get jazz. We see all of those things happen. But what happens is gospel still in the church. That's still going. Right. It hasn't gone away. That hasn't been replaced. But when uh, Chuck Berry and, and Little Richard are no longer rock and roll, when rock and roll is smashing pumpkins and nine inch nails and uh, group love and it's that's not us anymore. When when jazz it becomes um, what I, I was about to the name ran away from me. But when, 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 when jazz isn't looked at as a black art form the same way that it used to be, right? When those things have been co-opted and they, and they go away, well, then hip-hop comes. Hip-hop is still ours mm-hmm. in terms of the music. You're starting to see now that folks have realized that the key is the truth. So when you look at Machine Gun Kelly, when you look at um, – I'm trying to think of some more guys. When you look at uh, Takashi, when you, when you look at Macklemore, right? When, when you look at these uh, – the, the, of course, you, you can't not say Eminem, right? You, when you look at those folks, um, they're not replacements for the black artists that are doing it. They're doing this music alongside the black artists. And that's different than anything that's happened with these other created art forms in the past. They're contemporaries. There are uh, that that, um, famous line, um, 
in uh, I think it's Five Heartbeats. He said you never see him put five niggas on the cover of Elvis Presley's uh, album, right? Mm-hmm. It, you, there, but that happened with rock and roll. That happened with jazz. That happened with those uh, art forms. They put white folks on the cover because they wanted white folks to buy it, and they wouldn't buy it if it was black folks on there. But with hip hop, they buy it because it's black folks. They buy it because it's the realest black folks. That's why we buy it. And everybody else buys it for the same thing because it's supposed to be real. Thank you, ODB, RIP, keeping it real, right? Mm -hmm. So because it's still our art form and and we're just opening the doors and letting everybody in, we don't need a replacement yet. We don't need a replacement yet. But I guarantee you, if the winds change and 50 years from now, Hip hop is not considered a black art form. It's not um, downgraded uh, with code words like urban. If that becomes the case, we'll make something new because we're going to speak our mind regardless. We're going to find a way to express ourselves no matter what happens. We're going to get that stuff off of our chest. We have to. And it's going to bubble up some kind of how. And and that's really the birth of hip hop. It's the birth of of all of those wonderful things that we've done. John Hammond, Sasquatch, the Ugly People. The album is out right now. <laughs> Get it, driving Mr. Superman, DMS, everywhere you stream. You know, <laughs> way, way, to, way to take us out, man. <laughs> hey, come on, man. You you call me in here for a purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just you know I just I just try to do my job. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. Um, I appreciate you, man. And and I just want to shout you out because you're always working. Like what I said before, you know, there's a lot of folks that wish and don't work. Like you can't say that about Matt Osborne. Like <laughs> you, you stay, you stay grinding, you stay grinding. And I, and I appreciate that about you, man. You are a wonderful example. Um, keep doing what you do and thank you very much for, um, Give me an opportunity to speak to the people, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on, man. Uh, enjoy Anytime. your weekend and uh, enjoy your family. All right. Same to you, man. Be easy. Peace. All right. You too. There you go. John Hammond. That's my boy. I like him. like him a lot. Honest. Tells the truth. I like people like that. Um, I'm going to go ahead and send Joe out uh, with a uh, track from his album. Uh, I'm just going to shuffle. Uh, what we got here driving Mr. Superman I'm from a time ago we used to wave the pick away my people went from bricks a day to selling Chick-fil-A investments like mom and dad praying sins away refreshments you know I sell a drink the pain away forever and a day regardless of what they say we gon' construct just like military highway a better way to navigate in beast mode the charity auction for your ego hella rappers and coffins after we go we free souls uh, I am the quattro clover for my people to get over the prayer Jabez holder the one that sees you weaker than Andrew Luck's shoulder I done told ya this is for your betterment for real for you I show up this ain't a fucking show alone in hell I think Zion no longer am I Ion that's still reserved life is direct from pain and fuck what you heard and that's Through my the word lights it look like the world ain't burning so the good life my nigga is still undetermined and we dance to the beat move stress to next week it's a slow defeat at least you die in your sleep and go 
Next week, 